everyone. Welcome on into the Big Time Sports Podcast show. It's Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bally here to give you the latest of what's going on in the sporting world. Mitch, good to be back here with you, man. We got uh, an interesting time in sports right now. We're in one of the we're recording on the one of two days a year where there are no major professional sports in North America being played at any point tonight. Mitch, first off, good to be back. It's like a little two week hiatus between us. And yep. then, of course, we come back when there's no sports going on on the day we record. But I feel like in the two weeks we've been gone, there's been a lot that has happened both professionally, locally, collegiately that we're going to have to talk about, but it is good to be back. Nice to see that we're still here doing this and still in the same spots as always. Absolutely. want to start off here talking about some local stuff here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show. Uh, A lot of stuff has been going on. I mean, you mentioned you just got back from uh, some baseball tournaments here and there. Uh, We've been kind of covering some stuff locally, which you guys can check out on our website, Big Time Sports Ohio. Dot com. I mean, a lot of the stuff that's been going over the lawn on the last uh, few weeks, Mitch, I was actually at one of the events yesterday, the first ever Deshaun Watson uh, seven on seven high school football tournament was played at Akron Hoban High School's Dowd Field yesterday. Now, this is a tournament that is pretty prominent in the South. I mean, Watson taught, was there yesterday. He talked about how. Uh, a lot of it has been pretty prominent in the Southern States of the last few years. He was the MVP of Cam Newton's or the all-star of Cam Newton's uh, camp in Atlanta years ago. And uh, yeah, this is a tournament that I was at yesterday. It's a very interesting one. So to say many teams, 16 area schools were able to compete in seven on seven, non-contact, essentially touch football competitions. And it's very interesting to see some of the local town and also get a perspective on how Watson <laughs> is not only you know, getting ready for the upcoming season. We have the Browns training camp here within just uh, less than two weeks from now, but we also have uh, him trying to get more involved in the Northeast Ohio community, trying to get himself more out there after, you know, spending most of last season through legal limbo. Yeah, Mitch, I think I'm going to start with that point right there. He's trying to get more involved in the community and I'm sure one, whether you want to acknowledge a lot of the things he went through or not moving to a completely different new state, and city a new team, I think is very hard for people right away. And especially if you want to get involved in the community, then you bring in all the the legal issues and whatnot that has happened. But I think this is a really cool opportunity for both him and then everybody in Northeast Ohio, because Mitch, when he was playing football at the time, he was what a top seven, top five quarterback in the NFL. So if you're a football player and we know how rich in football, high school football is here in the state of Ohio. Why would you not want to be a part of this camp? Also get out there early. I mean, this is the first week that practices are legal in Ohio for the OHSAA. So some of these teams now taking advantage of that, getting out ahead of some others. Granted, it is seven on seven, but still a very unique opportunity. And it seemed, Mitch, from all the reports I saw yesterday, it was actually good football. It looked like it came down to the wire in some of the matchups. It was back and forth in some. And so I'm sure in totality, it was a very successful first Deshaun Watson seven on seven camp yesterday from everything I've been able to read and look at, but you were more so there. What were your takeaways and how do you feel about seven on seven football? Seven on seven football is an interesting sort of uh, dynamic in comparison to what we've normally had here in Ohio, 11 on 11 tackle. And, you know, with this kind of sport and flag football popping up in the last few years, it's become certainly more prominent. I don't necessarily think it'll be on the same level as traditional football we've had for uh, just about a century now, but the a number of schools there yesterday, including the likes of which I wrote down here, Aurora, Austintown, Fitch, a lot of Akron area schools, Bookdull, Hoban, East, uh, Glenville was also there, John Hay, Kirtland, both Lutheran schools, East and West, Maple Heights, Olmstead Falls, Strongsville, and Youngstown Cheney were among that mix. 
very, very talented squads that were able to uh, compete well against each other yesterday. And uh, as far as uh, the tournament goes, Watson did talk about trying to maybe potentially in the future expanding the, the pool to maybe 32 or even 48 schools. There are certainly a lot of them that wanted to be in the mix this year, but they for the, the Watson and the Browns this year decided to keep it at 16, try to keep it on a smaller scale. And then with time, I'm sure there's, they're probably going to make it a, um, an event with more teams and probably multiple days uh, if they're able to, you know, continue this going and possibly over at Dowd field, which the Browns uh, gave donations to in order to uh, help them finance a new uh, layout, a new design for their stadiums. And I'm sure that that is a possibility. Also, if they do do more teams, obviously to 32, maybe 48, that's where you're going to probably have to look into other venues, unless you make this a week long thing in which that can get tricky with high school football practice for some teams and these kids then having to be away for a week. But I think he did it the right way. You said 16 teams and they've talked about expansion. You rather start small and absolutely crush it than start too big and have a watered down event. And I think you and I both know, and a lot of our listeners and viewers know that there is a tremendous amount of talent in the state of Ohio when it comes to high school football. A lot of teams that are very talented that would love an opportunity to play in this. And hopefully this is something that Watson, you know, continues to do over the next five years and and beyond that of his contract here in Cleveland. And, you know, it seemed like a very successful event. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there was another story I wanted to get to that was local that we wrote about on BigTimeSportsOhio.com just a couple of days ago. Uh, this revision of rules from the National uh, Federation uh, of State High School Associations came out uh, at the June 4th through 6th meetings in Indianapolis. And this is an interesting one that we, we kind of caught our attention was they have approved one-way communication devices between baseball coaches and their respective catchers for the purpose of calling pitches. Now, this is not new to us because we've seen it in a major league baseball year over the last uh, few seasons become more permitted. High school is going to be interesting because, you know, they kind of uh, wanted to make it maintain the balance between offense and defense in uh, in the games. That's kind of what uh, Elliot Hopkins talked about. He's the director of sports and educational services and liaison to the baseball rules committee for the NFHS. Uh, it also says here the new rule prohibits coaches from communicating with any other player besides the catcher on defense and with any player while batting. The coach must also be in the dugout and using the communication device. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, we don't never, we obviously never had experience when we played with communication devices also because we never played catcher before, but how do you think a, a change like this will change the dynamic of high school baseball? Mitch. And I'm, I'm kind of able to speak on this, even though I'm not a catcher, but just from coaching now for four straight summers and having high schoolers, there's a lot of people out there that don't understand how easy it is to a steal signs from a catcher when you're on the base pass and relay them to your players or AK your teammates in the box to assign roles sometimes to players on the bench to try to decipher the sign of a coach sitting on a bucket going like this, you know, calling a pitch. Now this almost takes that away. You're going to have to get real creative. Um, obviously there've been new ways. I don't know if you had seen it. Um, obviously I know you umpire where catchers had wristbands and pitchers were yep. calling out numbers and those numbers changed every inning to make a different sequence of the pitch, the location laterally and the location uh, horizontally as well as, as you would break the plate up into five spots. So this kind of takes it out of that. And I think what's really unique, Mitch, is it's not mandatory. It's now approved. So you are going to see teams use it. 
And now you're almost having to add another element if you're going to try to steal pitches from a from a team in which I will say cheating in baseball in terms of banging a trash can when you're using technology to steal pitches, illegal. To me, if you don't want your pitches stolen, have better signs or hide them better as a catcher. I think that is one of the unwritten rules of baseball that it's it's totally fair. Um, I may or may not have had a kid this year try to tip pitches from second base uh, very obviously to a point where he got hit his next time up. And I told him to expect it just because that's kind of how unwritten rules in baseball work. But I think this is going to be very interesting to see what schools use it. How, I mean, I, Mitch, I have a feeling as soon as this rule was passed in June, every coach in Ohio was, you know, aware of it. There were probably certain schools that went to certain different uh, companies and ordered their pitch comm device. Um, I also am curious to see how long before we may get to a spot when the pitcher then would have it in major league baseball. Like you see the catcher kind of has it under a shin guard relayed to the pitcher who has a piece, you know, right inside his hat above his ear that says what the pitch is called. How far away are we from that? Because I feel like that would almost take out the element of sign stealing to a degree. Um, but at the same time, this technology cannot be cheap. And as we know, certain different high schools across every division in Ohio, along with softball and other schools have different budgets in their allowance for anything for that specific sport. I am excited to see how this works though. I think there's going to be some teams that utilize this and it's going to be very effective. I also think there might be some where they don't like it, right? A catcher might not really enjoy this, having to really kind of listen, especially Mitch, when you're in a tournament atmosphere, maybe on the road and that place is loud. Um, I, I'm very excited for the NFHS to accept this and put it in place. And I'm very excited to see how it plays out in the 2024 spring. Absolutely. And that you mentioned that a good point right there. It's going to be interesting to see what the dynamic is between big, pro bigger programs and programs who may not be able to afford just whatever they need to, to try and get the, themselves access to these devices. All right, we come back, we're going to more, go more into the all-star game. We're going to go more into some NBA talk and some other things right here on the big time sports podcast show. Hey there, folks, this is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical fire or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experience a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing, quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. Think 
You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young and Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van Nostrand Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world, get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level A. Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Vive Auto Sales, located on West High Avenue in New Philadelphia and Cleveland Avenue in Canton, is a used car dealership committed to getting financing for everyone. We give every customer that walks in our showrooms a prime buying experience, no matter their credit score or financial situation. Current inventory can be viewed at www.wefinancenow.com. Check out our Facebook pages for the most up-to-date information about upcoming events and promotions happening at Vive Auto Sales. Get out of the dugout and onto the field with help from Velocity Sports. Velocity Sports is a baseball and softball training academy with locations in North Canton and Canal Fulton. Our new Canal Fulton features 10,000 square feet of training space with six cages for hitting and pitching in a large commercial weight room. Velocity Sports will sharpen your skills and get you in the starting lineup. For more info, go to VeloSportsOhio.com. Back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show, Mitch Spinell alongside Mitchell Ballin. Mitch, I mean, we got the All-Star Game officially in the books last night. A record-breaking night for the National League, not so much in terms of accomplishments, but they are able to break the 10-game uh, winning streak from the American League in a 3-2 come-from-behind victory. This is my was my favorite story of the night. Elias Diaz. The lone uh, representative for the Colorado Rockets in the All-Star game, he's 32 years old, was kind of just a, a position, like a fill-in player for the first couple of years of his career. And now he is the All-Star game MVP after hitting that two-run home run in the seventh inning to bring the National League back uh, to a victory in the Classic. Man, that's 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 kind of what the, the, those are the stories that this sport is about. Mitch, the NL winning did not bother me, obviously, because this does not determine home field advantage in the World Series anymore. So ultimately, it doesn't matter for when the Guardians are in the World Series this year. Uh, but oh, did I say that out loud? My fault. To your point, Elias Diaz, 32 years old, Mitch, he is a career 248 hitter. This is a guy who, you know, has just been somewhat of a journeyman, right? He's played for the Pirates. Uh, twice, and then now the Rockies from 2020 to 23. And 
he's had a he's been a bright spot for the Colorado Rockies, if you will, in a season in which they have not been very good. But at 32 years old, Mitch, and you've seen this before with some guys just even in the NBA, right? These guys finally get a breakthrough. They get acknowledged as an all-star. And although it isn't the same as it once was as we were growing up and it's went to a fan vote and some of it's been somewhat of a popularity contest, every team's represented. And now a guy, Mitch, who maybe at 32 years old never thought he'd be in the situation, a pinch hit, go-ahead, two-run home run, and his emotion told you everything you need to know about how big the moment meant. I mean, he he was emotional both in the dugout when they interviewed him afterwards and then at the end of the game when he was the most valuable player of the All-Star game. And that's just – that's so cool to see. There's so many cool things in sports that you want to see, and that was one of them. It was a very good game, entertaining game. Obviously, uh, the stake's not as high, but, but Diaz to get MVP. Uh, Jose Ramirez, our Cleveland Guardian, to get a double – which he now has the most extra base hits out of anybody in the American league uh, in baseball since he has come into the league, which is very cool. Right on cue. You had phenomenal plays to start the game. I don't know if you watched from the very start with, uh, was it Adolis Garcia and uh, Randy Rosarina, both making catches up against the wall to start the game. Um, Freddie Freeman mic'd up. I think that's one of the best parts of the all-star game itch is they're micing up players. They're not just micing up outfielders. They were micing up pitchers. And you heard, I believe Nathan Avaldi asking John Smoltz, what do you think I should throw here? Smoltz going cutter. He goes, yep, that's exactly what I was thinking. He throws a cutter to Arenado. It's a swing and miss. I think that's really cool. It kind of allows us fans to be let in to baseball a little more in a game, Mitch, where we've kind of been asking as fans for the most part to see more personality in baseball, right? A lot of guys bat flip and teams don't like that. And that's when you get the hit, the intentional hit by pitch or pitches inside. But we want to see these young stars be marketed. Now they can't always be marketed, which I'm not going to go off my rant today about how the MLB is doing a horrible job at promoting their superstars. But I thought all in all, it, it was, it's always nice to sit back and watch the best of the best in baseball, go at it and really see who's there. And my goodness, Mitch Luis Arise saw two pitches last night and he had two singles. And there's a reason he has the highest average out of anybody in baseball and the highest average ever at the all-star break since the year 2000 at three, 383. Uh, you got to really see some tremendous talent that most people, Mitch don't typically get to see. And the ninth inning. Yes. Jose Ramirez made that last out. I wanted to see Julio Rodriguez hit a walk-off for the American league in Seattle in front of that home crowd. You heard Craig Kimbrell who got the save for the national league say afterwards, I stepped off the mound to take it in because that was just such a cool atmosphere something he had never been a part of. And it, it really was cool to see Julio Rodriguez come up, everybody hoping he had a walk-off home run for the win in front of his hometown after he really showed out in the home run derby the night before. Um, I love the all-star game. I wish it meant a little bit more. I wish there was a couple different tweaks, but I don't know about you, how you feel about it, but I always try to make sure I'm in a spot to watch the Major League Baseball all-star game. Absolutely. And so with that in the books, by the way, we forgot to mention Vladimir Guerrero Jr. winning the home run derby this year against Julio. I mean. I wasn't surprised by it. Uh, Vlad is one of the, Vlad Jr. is one of the the most electrifying power hitters in in the American League. Uh, has been so over the last few years, really uh, doing his dad's name justice. And uh, yeah, that, that that one I wasn't as into this year compared to other years for some reason, though. Yeah, no, it, it was it was bizarre. And to be honest with you, now that uh, sports betting sports betting is legal in the state of Ohio, which please remember gamble responsibly. 
you looked at some of the odds and everything and you wanted to place bets and Mitch, there was one name in there that I was not touching and it was Mookie Betts. And I think it was uh, pretty obvious that he knew he had no shot as he was the only player that did not use his timeout during his round in the home run derby. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people caught on to that, but you just looked at some of those guys, Vlad Guerrero, Julio Rodriguez, Pete Alonso, who's won twice and was trying to tie uh, Ken Griffey Jr., I believe, for the most wins all time at three. Uh, Luis Roberts from the White Sox. You had big power hitters, and then you had Mookie Betts, who we've come to know as just a great all-around hitter with power. Um, home run derby's fun. I think they need to make some adjustments to that and go back to the old format, in my opinion. Um, I think it was more entertaining that way. But all in all, I think baseball still has the – baseball and basketball still have the best all-star weekends and, and games and – uh, challenges, if you will, between the three-point contest and the skills challenge, MLB with the home run derby and the all-star game. I know there's people out there that want to see them kind of incorporate what Japan does, and they have a bunning contest with targets on the field yeah. to add something. But but we'll see that. I mean, uh, we heard from your favorite commissioner, Rob Manfred, uh, over the weekend about some new things that might be get, coming into place. But all in all, good all-star weekend, and now we we head into the dog days of summer. We turn around to the second half of the season. Really quick, that bunning thing, I, I think it's a good idea. But unlike the home run derby, I think what they should do is implement a system to where they don't know what pitch is coming. Like, I, it's not just it's not just them lobbing the ball and them trying to, like, work their way into the thing. I'm like, would, let's get these guys thinking here. So would you do it the same way as the home run derby and allow a batting practice pitcher to do that and throw different pitches? Or would you rather see guys off the mound throw and try to almost alter mm. how the bunning happens. If you want them to mix in pitches, how would you, how would you feel about that? I think I'd, I think I'd go with the batting practice route because if we're going to do it with live pitching, that could, that could be a greater risk for injury on both sides. So, but I still think if, if we make it so that the, cause it's usually the, with the, with the home run derby, it's like, Oh, it's their old coach or it's their dad throwing them pitches. If we can get them kind of working against them instead of with them, that could be really interesting to me. But in this, in the same time, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. And as far as the things you, the commissioner was talking about, uh, there were some topics there, uh, potential expansion after the Rays and A's stuff is settled. Um, it's probably going to happen at some point. It's probably going to be between Nashville and uh, somewhere else, like maybe Montreal or Salt Lake City. And Charlotte, then I saw was the Charlotte name. was in the mix there. The Carolinas are probably going to want to put a team in there. Um, I mean, we did we did a whole segment on this show where we talked about how we would realign baseball with expansion teams um, that you can check out or uh, back on our catalog and uh you know a number of things here that wasn't as of much substance no automated strike zone for next year um the players union could potentially try and push for shortening the season but they i don't know if they're gonna necessarily have these players give up their massive salaries for the reduced amount of games and then that leads us into the second half of this upcoming season where you know the guardians are at pace with where they are right they were last year from what it seems they're around 500 uh Tied for first in the American League Central, so I'm not really, a, uh, you know, worried about where they're going to be standing. It's if they can keep this pace uh, late in the year, like they have been over the last couple of seasons. You know, last year they went 21 and eight at the end of September, were able to sweep out the the White Sox to get that huge lead in the AL Central, which eventually they never gave up. So right now, I'm trying to figure out what's the most key thing for Cleveland to keep productive in order to stave off the what's essentially the twins at this point yeah i think the the biggest thing you said there mitch is they're on pace with where they were last year 
but why doesn't it feel that way? Yeah, I think you can both agree. It does not feel that way whatsoever. This team has a negative seven run differential at the break. Now that's not horrible, but the twins behind us have a plus 27 run differential. When you look ahead to the second half of the season, Mitch, I think the biggest thing is can the guardians continue their dominance on the American league central? Like they have the past, I, I, let's be honest, really since Terry Francona has taken over this team. Yeah. There was a couple of years in there. I think 14 obviously uh, wasn't the best 15, a little bit of a struggle, but still really kind of owned the central. We know they play every team in the central 13 times this year. Now, instead of 19, because you play everybody in baseball. But if the Guardians just handle business in the central, Mitch, and win the series, I'm not asking for sweeps. Yes, sweeps are nice, but you just took three out of four from Kansas City before the break. To me, that's that's huge, right? To end the break at 500, enter the break at 500, and first place in the American League Central, that's a big deal. The Guardians, though, Mitch, are at a spot where we just want them to be at. And, and I think a lot of us had a lot of expectations after last year. Some guys have regressed. Some guys have really come out of nowhere. Um, and it's now, what do the guardians do as we approach this deadline? Because unless they completely fall off here, once they come out of the break, they're going to have to be buyers and they're going to have to try to fill holes in the lineup or in the rotation or bullpen. And the, the talk is still, what do they do with Shane Bieber? And there's two ways to look at it. The value is that you're never going to get more than right now. For Shane Bieber, the more you hold on to him, the less you're going to get in return. If you don't think you're going to be able to re-sign him, you would probably trade him. But as this team sits in first place by a half game right now, Mitch, what type of message does that send to your clubhouse to trade your ace? He is your ace, but at the same time, Mitch, there's been a common factor. When Bieber gets to the sixth inning or over 70 to 80 pitches, his velo is way down, and he's become vulnerable to a lot of big innings for the other team. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw it with the Atlanta Braves when they were here in Cleveland. Bieber escaped a big jam in the first, no runs coming across. Kind of kept the most potent offense in baseball so far this year quiet, and he kind of hit like 72 pitches. Next thing you know, the Braves were all over him, and that's been the story. Look back to Arizona. Look to Kansas City the last time he started, just on Sunday. What does this team do and who is available to trade? I mean, heck, it's not possible. And I tweeted last night, I was living in my imaginary world, but Shohei Otani to say the player he was most excited to share the field with last night was Jose Ramirez, obviously has me daydreaming in a world that doesn't exist of how do we get Shohei Otani? I would trade anything outside of Jose Ramirez for Otani, even for just a half a year. But I'm very curious to see where this team goes because. This is it. It's the central or nothing. You will not be able to win a wild card. Every team in the American League East, all five teams have better records than you. Hmm. And then that there's two teams better records in the American League West, and you're tied with the Mariners at 45 wins. It's the American League Central Division or nothing for the Cleveland Guardians. So I'm curious to see where they go. I'm curious on your thoughts. 
The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering certified nail technician as an adult education program. This 216 hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. You matter. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter, and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward. With each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter too. I'll care. I'll care, I'll care. Where you matter. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Employee benefits, although time-consuming and expensive, is one of the top considerations for those making a job change. At Hummel Group, we help businesses craft benefit strategies that align with company goals. Through an emphasis on cost containment, leveraging technology, and benefits administration, we save your team valuable time. Your employees call us with questions, not you. Visit HummelHelps.com or call 800-860-1060. Don't just get insurance. Get Hummel. June is National Safety Month. Did you know that 80% of injuries related to falling in a home happen in the bathroom? Mostly to folks over the age of 65. If you find it hard to get in and out of a standard bathtub and need a new walk-in shower or convenient walk-in bathtub, then call the professionals at JR Bath. JR Bath has been helping to make bathrooms beautiful and safer since 1976. Call JR Bath at 330-494-2365 or visit us at jrbath.com. Well, the focus is really on the pitching. And I know you said 
with uh, if they bought him out, they might have to trade Bieber. I think if they are still in contention, they might have to still potentially trade him, depending on the sort of haul that they might get. And I'm not gonna, I'm not going to entertain the the conspiracy, not not conspiracy, but the the hyped the hyping of Otani, which we saw last night because he was he said he was really excited to meet Jose Ramirez, and therefore, oh, let's try to get him for two years, forty million dollars, as if that's ever going to be possible. But that being said. You might have to trade him for a power bat that can supply you um, with some right-handed power later on in the season, especially if Tristan McKenzie can come back from what he's trying to do right now, which is trying to ramp himself back up from that elbow injury. I, I worry that he's delaying the inevitable and he might still have to get the offseason surgery anyway, which is going to cost him all of next year as well. But if you can get him back, okay, he's your one. Quantrill and Savali are two and three veterans, and you have three rookie arms to work with potentially. and even with that, it's just more so you have to get some guys in the lineup really, really going like they were last season. Get Josh Bell into the mix a little bit more, having him drive and runs. Get Stephen Kwan. Kwan's been kind of picking up over the last week, but having become the leadoff hitter he was last season. And then get Andre Jimenez become a more reliable bat in the lineup. And then we could have consistency that helps for Cleveland in the latter stages of this year, especially when they're going to have to go get up against those central division opponents. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Josh Bell, Mitch. I, I think every fan in Cleveland would be in agreement. He has been somewhat of a disappointment so far. He has a player option, which he's going to obviously opt in for if he finishes the season, how it's been so far. But I think the way he kind of, you look, look at that Royal series, Mitch, he kind of came back into what we expected Josh Bell to be. Uh, I, I believe he reached base every game, maybe not the fourth and final game of the series, but he had the one game where he was three for three with two walks, reached base all five times. If he's heating up, Mitch, this team is going to look a lot different because now you have Josh Naylor, who has been a tremendous, I don't want to say surprise because he wasn't himself last year. He was still coming back from a, a broken leg. And we knew that he did not look like himself last year. How many times do we see him wincing in pain, running down the lines or running bases or, or on certain plays he's been, a phenomenal guy to be right behind Jose Ramirez. And now if you get Josh Bell going, I think that takes some pressure off Andres Jimenez. It allows Naylor to see more fastballs. And, and to me, that's actually, if they don't make a trade, I think they don't make a trade because Josh Bell comes out of the all-star break and picks up where he left off the last four to six games and becomes the guy that we expected him to be in almost that all-star he was in Pittsburgh where he was hitting mammoth home runs and a lot of them. Uh, but we're going to have to wait and see. And as we get closer to the deadline here at the end of July, there's going to be rumors. And I'm excited to see, you know, where Cleveland's kind of in the mix there and see what teams like the Angels or the Mariners, even the the Twins, and then what teams in the American Leagues become, the American League East become sellers because five teams can't make it from the American League East, right? Only three can, one division winner and two wild cards. Um, I'm very intrigued to see how this shakes out. Uh, but I do want to ask you outside of the guardians, what is the biggest storyline for anything player team wise, coach wise that you're looking forward to in the second half of the season? It's a good question. Uh, I like to see if Cincinnati can keep up their pace. If Ellie Dela Cruz can prove himself to be the rookie from, from heaven, like he's been for the uh, last couple of weeks here in the season. 
I'm very interested in seeing if the Atlanta Braves can put themselves in contention of one of the best regular season teams of all time because they're on pace for 109 games right now. Ronald Acuna is not being talked about very much uh, in, in comparison to guys like Otani and for us here in Cleveland with Jose Ramirez. But it's, but uh, Acuna right now is on pace to have the best combination of power and speed in a regular season we've seen ever. He's at, yep. uh, what is it here? Uh, 21 home runs on the year, 41 steals. The other night in Cleveland became... Uh, uh, it became part of the 2040 50 club along with 50 RBIs. He's on pace right now for 38 home runs, 75 stolen bases right now, which has never been, which if he were to get to that 40, 40 mark by the end of the year, which would make, oh, put him alongside the likes of Jose Canseco and Alfonso Soriano and, and all that, he'd become the first player to completely smash the stolen bases. All the other guys made it just past 40 and 40. He would be at 40 and 75. So, Right now, it's kind of incredible with what he's been able to accomplish and how little it feels like it's being talked about because Atlanta is just being taken as the the best team in the National League, uh, if not all of Major League Baseball. They have the best record right now. They are very dominant at home. They have a very good pitching staff, very good offense that we saw this past week in, in uh, Cleveland. This is a team that has won the World Series before, did it without their number one guy because uh, he was injured that most of the season. But... I'm very curious to see if Atlanta will kind of surpass. I mean, they've surpassed the Dodgers so far as the best team in baseball this year. And I'm really curious to see if this team can even surpass what last year's LA team did, which was 111 wins, which is one of the most, one of the highest totals we've seen in the 21st century. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. You kind of stole my team that I was really looking forward to, yeah. to watch in the Reds. So I'm going to go to a different team. The Arizona Diamondbacks. To me, the Reds and Diamondbacks in the National League have been the two biggest surprises alongside the Miami Marlins. The Diamondbacks right now would be a wild card team if the playoffs started today. Uh, and they are ahead of the Padres, Mitch, who I think arguably have to be number one for the most disappointing team so far this season out of any team in Major League Baseball. They're 43 and 47 with some of the most high profile names in all of baseball. Player wise, though, Mitch, Luis Arise. Can Luis Arise hit 400? I believe he's trying to become the first player to since Joe Maurer, if I'm not mistaken. Hit 400? Unless it was 400 before a certain part in the year, but. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's hitting 383 at the break. This is a guy, Mitch, now. When you look at his baseball reference page, he is a career 327 hitter. That's unheard of in the style of baseball, which it is today and which it is hit the ball hard and hit the ball far. Arias just gets on base. I want to see if a player in modern baseball right now can hit 400 when in reality, most teams are going for guys that can hit for power. And uh, he's a tremendous hitter. And he is a reason why the Miami Marlins would also be a wild card team right now in baseball, as they sit at 53 and 39, uh, the Marlins, the Diamondbacks and the Reds, to me, are the three biggest surprises out of any team in the National League and really, Mitch, in all of baseball. But uh, I'm excited here to see what teams that had great first halves keep it up and what teams come back to the pack because we've seen it before. We've seen it in Cleveland before. Even without Terry Francona, we had Maniac as the manager. The Indians at the time would get hot and they would fade away in the second half, whereas Francona's teams kind of, it's a little bit of ebb and flow in the beginning and they just catch fire down the stretch in the dog days of summer. This is going to be a fun second half. It really is. Indeed. When we come back, we'll go over some more stuff uh, here in the sporting world right here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show.
Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experience a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. Are you trying to increase your speed, quickness, vertical leap, and agility? If so, NST Sports Performance is for you. NST trains athletes ages 5 through pro. NST designs each program specific to the athlete's needs, goals, and sports. For more, visit nstsports.com. Locations in North Canton and New Philadelphia. It's nstsports.com. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostrand Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance. Safety and prevention specialists utilize our VanCan assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business, and we can guide you there. Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process. You'll find a wide selection of model homes on site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzlers.com. Hartzlers Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. Think Ferris. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level A. Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Get out of the dugout and onto the field with help from Velocity Sports. Velocity Sports is a baseball and softball training academy with locations in North Canton and Canal Fulton. 
Our new Canal Fulton features 10,000 square feet of training space with six cages for hitting and pitching in a large commercial weight room. Velocity Sports will sharpen your skills and get you in the starting lineup. For more info, go to velosportsohio.com. Turning 65 soon or already on Medicare? Hummel Group can help you explore your options and find a plan that fits your unique healthcare needs and budget. Our experienced agents provide personalized advice and help you compare plans from top insurance carriers for free. We're here to help you find the Medicare plan that's right for you. Visit HummelHelps.com or call 800-860-1060 to speak to an agent about Medicare. Don't just get insurance, get Hummel. Aaron back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show. Final segment here, which we'll get into some uh, topics before we get on out of here. Mitch, I mean, we have a number of things to get to, including uh, some Cavaliers talk. I mean, we're in summer league play right now, which is very interesting. We get to see some of the younger Cavaliers take on some of the younger parts of the NBA. Um, the biggest names for me right now have obviously been the two, the, the rookie Niamani Bates and the second year player in Isaiah Mobley. I mean, what has it kind of been about with you, with for you with these guys? I mean, because Mobley has been seemingly the the main guy on the Cavs summer league team right now. I think for me, Mitch, it's seen how Imani Bates kind of grows into what the Cavaliers want his role to be position wise. We know he is a freak of nature athletically given his side and athleticism. We also know when he was at Eastern Michigan that he was the go-to guy. And that's not necessarily going to be his role at all in Cleveland. When you look at the players the Cavaliers have, obviously, in Mitchell, Garland, Mobley, Allen, this is a guy that will be coming off the bench. And obviously, you and I both talked about, you know, in a past couple weeks ago, uh, this is a low-risk, high-reward type player if he pans out, given where his expectations were when he came out of high school. I think he's growing already. He's learning going up against some of the other guys that are trying to make a name for themselves and prove they deserve a shot on NBA roster. And so I, I really kind of liked in some of the action I've seen out of him. He, he's struggled at times and Mitch, there's other times he's looked like the guy that was a projected lottery pick coming out of high school before he went to Memphis. And I, I, there's going to be a lot of growing pains, right? He's young, very young, but this is still a player that I am very intrigued to see how fast he can mature because we know there's some immaturity issues there. It's part of the reason he fell so far along with injury history and other issues, but between Bates and Mobley. Now these two guys, Mitch are guys. I think the Cavaliers are hoping can grow and develop into vital pieces of this roster as they continue to move forward. Whereas they don't have to necessarily always look to make a trade or look to sign big name free agents. Uh, we have two guys we got in free agency that I think we're going to talk about here this segment as well. But these could be two diamonds in the rough when you talk about Isaiah Mobley and Amani Bates that if they progress and they get bigger and stronger, right? We saw what happened last year in the playoffs that could become vital pieces down the line. No, I believe it. I mean, the veterans that you mentioned, by the way, in free agency, picking up Max Struess from Miami uh, and, and that sign-in trade, and then George's Yang is a very interesting one for Cleveland. I talked about on the radio about a week or so ago how I'm kind of surprised with the 
a number of people that I've heard talking about how these these moves don't mean any, mean much for them because a part of what the Cavaliers' uh, d- downfall was in the playoffs last year is that they just didn't quite have a lot of aggressive guys to go up against some of those big men for New York as well as potentially in the rest of the Eastern Conference. Now you have guys who can spot shoot for you in a system where, yeah, you have Jared Allen currently and Evan Mobley, and you're probably going to have that, as Kobe Altman said, he wants to keep this core four of players remaining. But uh, I'm curious as to what your take is on it, because right now I think what's good for the uh, for the Cavaliers is getting guys who are able to make shots down the stretch and have guys like Nyang who, who have size to them but can also be good from the outside. Yeah, no, 100%. I, I'm, I'm very – the Niang signing bitch really caught me off guard. It's not one that I think any of us were looking forward, looking for. The Struce, I think, was one that we were looking at, somebody that really can open up the floor in terms of shooting. But Niang Mitch, I, I think back to watching him this past season in Philly. This is a guy that plays with an edge, right? What did the Knicks have over the Cavs in that series, in the playoffs? Physicality, and they played with some fire. Yeah. And that's not a knock on our guys. I don't, I'm not questioning Donovan Mitchell's fire or will to win. There's only so much you can do as a guard, but Mitch Niang was a guy in Philly that would get into it with his own teammates, whether that's good or bad. I, I still remember a, a few games I saw on national television where he was going after teammates on the bench and had to be separated. Now that maybe isn't something you want, but at the same time, you need a veteran presence who has been in the playoffs and played big minutes to come in and challenge guys and push them harder. And I think this Cleveland team last year knew how big of a jump they made in the 20, what was 21, 22 season to make the play in. And I don't want to say coasted, but they needed somebody to kind of wake these guys up. When you look back at those teams with LeBron, yes, LeBron was on there. There was typically a veteran presence that was there to almost check somebody. And they didn't always play. And the angle play, but I think back to Kendrick Perkins. You didn't want to mess with Kendrick Perkins, Mitch, because that's a big man. And that was a guy who wasn't afraid of anybody. We saw in his time in Boston, in Oklahoma City, and then even in Cleveland. He was kind of the enforcer. And not necessarily in terms of his play on the court, if we're being honest. I mean, there was times I went to a Canton Charge game down here at the Civic Center, and he was down here playing. But Niang, to me, as much as I love Struess, as big of a signing that may be, and we'll have to wait and see, is he going to play the three and the Cavs are going to go with three smaller players with the two seven-footers down low? Or are they going to go to a big lineup? Niang is the most interesting piece because, one, we did not really have any rumors or connections to him. Two, he does play with a fiery edge, and he can shoot the basketball as well. The Cavs went after needs and offered a little bit more money for those guys rather than going after the flashy names that were going to demand an insane amount of money or that we are going to have to trade a lot of assets and potential starting players from our core four to acquire. And so Niang, to me, is a guy that I'm very intrigued with. Um, the, the signing caught me off guard. I don't know how many times I have to repeat that, especially when you look at the length and, and money. Uh, but between him and Struess, Mitch, I think Kobe Altman did what he had to do as the Cavaliers general manager in trying to make this team more physical and more of a threat from the outside, outside of just Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, and then Isaac Okoro and what seemed like every 
three weeks in the corner being able to hit three-point shots. I'm also intrigued now to see if either one of the two signings start over Isaac Okoro. This is a guy that the Cavs front office does not want to give up on. We know he can play defense. We we also know he's very undersized to play the three in the NBA. What is his role now after getting rid of Jetty Osman and Lamar Stevens, which the Jetty one didn't surprise me. Lamar Stevens kind of did, um, especially because we know how valuable he was in terms of the junkyard dog the Cavaliers like to have off the bench. And I mean, Mitch, how many times were we pounding our chest and screaming at our television saying, put Lamar Stevens in yeah. first the next because nobody else can stop him. He's at least going to give you everything he has. Yeah. Now we're going to wait and see is Okoro going to be an energy guy, the hustle guy, get extra possessions, get more rebounds, be able to hit down some more three point shots. I don't know, but I do know I'm excited for Cavaliers basketball to be back already. And I typically never say that during baseball season because our baseball team is the most important team playing right now, but right. I'm excited for Cavaliers basketball. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm excited for it too. Uh, the last story we want to get to here is this developing story in college football right now, where look, this story, this situation from multiple accounts is pretty sensitive and we're trying to address it the best way we can. But at the same time, I I'm, kind of going back and forth in certain details here. So the Pat Fitzgerald stuff, there was a report that came out. Uh, what was it? A few weeks ago that Northwestern players were accused of a part of uh, partaking in hazing practices for younger players. Uh, initially, Pat Fitzgerald is the head coach of Northwestern's football program since 2006, which I did not realize uh, just a few days ago uh, was given a two week suspension by the university. Well, then the Northwestern, uh, the, student paper over there uh, from all accounts, it seems has done a very well-versed job at gaining some more details as to what actually happened within this program. And that led to Fitzgerald's dismissal from the Wildcats. Now it looks like there's going to be a legal process here coming soon. It seems that uh, Fitzgerald has hired a, a very expensive attorney to try and uh, work his way into a battle with the university. Cause he'll still had $42 million remaining on his contract. This is a contract for a guy who's brought Northwestern, a team that, while not among the likes of Ohio state and along the likes of like the top college programs, this is the best run they've had in their program's history. They won zero bowl games before they got to Pat Fitzgerald Mitch. They've won five since then. Yeah. Two, three years ago. I swear to you, I swear to you, I was so freaking scared during the big 10 championship during the, the pandemic season that Northwestern was going to have a, a, a scared looking Ohio state team on the ropes. And then they came back and won. Now, this is where it gets kind of tricky because right now, yeah, obviously both sides are saying different things and you see the sort of stuff that they're alleging the players were doing. And we're not going to get too much into detail of, of yeah. the exact detail. People can go look at the reports. I, I encourage you to go look at the reports, look at the details and then kind of process it through your own minds. There is, there are levels to this. One level is, you and your coaching staff know about this of what's going on and what they're doing. And look, as far as hazing goes, I know there's some people like hazing should never be a thing. There are levels to hazing. There's things like having the team, having the freshman perform a song and dance number in front of your team or have them carry your books to class. That's it sucks, but it's, it does. It just, yeah, I was going to say, but it's just the kind of the way some teams operate. But when you're doing things, 
allegedly like they were doing when they're turning out the lights. That's where I'm like, okay, that's no putting on the mask on. No, that's not it. Um, and then, so, so the details are, so the, the allegations are out there. Then there's the detail where they're saying they're keeping on the rem- remainder of Fitzgerald's staff, his assistant staff while, uh, for next season, I'm thinking, wait, so if the head coach, so either the head coach knew about it and did nothing, which means that the rest of the staff would know something about it, or they don't know anything about it. And then there's a level of gross negligence. I, I personally believe Mitch that both instances were fireable offenses. Either this guy knew about what was going on. And it seems like he would considering the kind of coach that Pat uh, Fitzgerald kind of is where he's very calculated, very, you know, uh, on top of everything you either know about what's going on and you're kind of a scumbag for letting it happen, or you don't know about it. And there's enough gross negligence for you to, in this case, uh, be let go by the university. Absolutely. And you, you said it spot on. We have to tread this lightly because it is a sensitive topic and, you know, it seems like there's a large amount of facts out there, but at the same time, there are two sides to every story. We are not coaches at Northwestern, nor do we go to Northwestern or play football. So we will never know the full story until potentially comes to light. To your point, for Pat Fitzgerald to be fired, but his assistant coaches to remain at Northwestern for the entire 2023 season and be supported by the school and university is a bizarre uh, turn of events. Because, Mitch, when you are playing a sport, and this is high school, This is college and most definitely professional. This is not just a same people throughout there. This is your second family. You in season spend more time with your coaches, your players, your, your trainers, than you do with your family. And that's just the reality of it. There's a reason whether people want to like it or not, that these coaches get paid as much as they do. And so to your point for them to fire Fitzgerald and keep on the staff, Mitch, if Fitzgerald didn't know about it, the staff definitely knew about it. Yeah. And on the flip side, Mitch, more times than not, you will go to your position coaches in any sport to address an issue first before you go to the head coach because the head coach is dealing with so much other on his plate besides just trying to win football games. And now we're going to get into a legal war here because it seems that Pat Fitzgerald and his attorney are going to set up a potential legal showdown here mm-hmm. between the college football hall of famer and a tremendous defender at Northwestern. And now his alma mater. And you mentioned Pat Fitzgerald's been there since 06, Mitch. He has been one of the longest tenured college head coaches. He has been there longer than Ryan day, uh, Harbaugh, at Michigan, Davo Sweeney at Clemson. He's outlasted pretty much every major college coach that we talk about with their programs in the college football playoff picture every single season. And he's had some incredible seasons. We know last year wasn't great. And it's, it gets really tough because you see it. You and I probably saw it because we have a former Northwestern football player in Greg Newsom who played for Fitzgerald come out and say, none of this ever happened when I was there. Fitzgerald is never any of the things that he's being accused of as a coach. And that's where things get so muddy is because you have these players that have now come out and said that some of the things that have happened, happened to them. But then you have other players outside of just Greg Newsom. I'm using him as a reference because he's here for our Mm -hmm. Cleveland Browns. Yeah. 
other players coming to Fitzgerald's defense saying this never happened. He is not what they're saying he is. I don't know where this came from. And that's where it gets so troubling. And for us as outsiders and just college football fans, where we have to kind of just sit back and wait, because you're talking about potentially Fitzgerald never coaching again. You're talking about him. If all this comes to light and is true, really Mitch having things attached to him and his name and his family's name for the rest of their lives. And, and that's the hardest part is because if none of this is true, it's unfortunate. And then if they decide to go back and try to rehire him, does he want to come back to a place that didn't take him and trust his word that he's been at since 2006? It's just such an odd spot to be in. Obviously I hope nothing that has come out is true. Mm. And for those out there, like Mitch and I said, it's a sensitive topic. We're not going to go into detail. You can do your own research and read up on it because it is not just on uh, ESPN, but it's on major news outlets across the country. And it's unfortunate, but uh, this is going to be very interesting because this is at a time, Mitch, where you're getting ready to start practice. And that might be part of the reason they have to keep the assistant coaches. But to your point, how can you keep the assistant coaches and fire the head coach when I truly believe if this was known by the head coach, the assistant coaches knew about it too. Well, a couple of things. Number one, the paper that I mentioned uh, for the North, for the University of Northwestern uh, is a Daily Northwestern. That if you want to find the initial report that seemingly led to the uh, dismissal of Fitzgerald, you can find it on uh, on their website or on Twitter. Number two is that it was a report from ESPN's Adam Rittenberg. Northwestern fired Coach Pat Fitzgerald for cause. Keyword cause. His attorney Dan Webb tells ESPN. Uh, meaning that Northwestern does not believe it owes the $45 million left on Fitzgerald's contract. And that's an interesting strategy, legal strategy to take. It's not so, because from right now, it's not so much a case of they, their procedure, their um, investigation into all this did not determine that I was in the wrong or I was negligent. It's not him fighting necessarily that. It's him fighting that he still is, is, that the firing of cause was not worthy and that he still is being owed the money that he was warranted through his contract. That's where I'm, I'm like, okay, this is going to be an interesting, that's an interesting strategy to take. And I don't know if if time's going to necessarily uh, be in his favor with this. So I don't know. Time is going to kind of carry out all the certain details that are hopefully going to be, shown if they're uh, showcased to the public if they're true and uh yeah the whole situation is just kind of messy all around i can't i can't imagine like north i can't imagine a school like northwestern going back to that and i was talking to some about this the other day where um it was the example of um greg shiano greg shiano a few years ago when he was initially hired as a head coach of tennessee and then there was public outrage because there were people who believed that number one he wasn't a good coach Number two, uh, they still believed he was in connections with the uh, scandal that happened at Penn State involving Jerry Sandusky because he was an assistant coach at the time under Joe Paterno. That never sat that that never sat right with me. The dismissal from Tennessee, com- especially compared to something like what happens at Northwestern, because Tennessee it really felt like their their the, the decision makers got coerced by public opinion or public outcry. Boost. This stemmed from an initial report then it became an even bigger report from the university paper 
public outcry definitely, I'm, I believe, put more pressure on the university to do something. And whether or not you think the Northwestern uh, heads, new president, uh, made the right decision in firing Fitzgerald, I think this is a case where it's like, okay, you either did it, you deserve to lose your job, or you should have known something about it, and we have no choice, essentially. This is going to be something, obviously, that's a, a major story outside of just results of winning and losing in the sporting world and really just news world, Mitch, for the next few weeks until we get more clarity on it. If this comes out to be that Fitzgerald can be proven that he had no idea about any of this going on and there is enough of his former players and coaches uh, to come to his defense and say, like, no, this is blown out of proportion. Some of this stuff you know, may have happened, but, you know, it was off campus at a team house, which Mitch, that is not necessarily a coach's responsibility. A lot of things players do outside the football facility and football practice and field, whatever it may be, cannot be held on the coach because what, what is the coach supposed to go to the football players houses? To me, that's kind of odd if he does. Um, and, and it's like that for major sports, but Mitch, if this comes out to be and Fitzgerald is dismissed of everything and having any knowledge of it, which is probably going to be tough. There's going to be a college program that lucks into having a very good college football coach, because when you look at Northwestern, you don't think of them as a college football school yet. They have been one of the more successful programs since he's taken over, let alone winning three bowl games that where if he's completely dismissed of all this, and like I mentioned, I can't see him going sure. back there for being fired for cause. Sure. There's going to be a program out there that will take a risk on Pat Fitzgerald because of what he's been able to do at a smaller division one school in a power five conference that would probably go to sign him as their head coach and build their football program up. We've seen it with other coaches before with other issues, right? We, and we're not going to get into the issues at all, but you've seen it in other sports with athletes, and coaches that something happens. We probably don't have all the facts that we need to have. And it's right. kind of a knee jerk reaction. And then they go on to be fine. And so now we just have to wait for all the facts and see what really happens. And I think now this could get really hairy, not just in terms of the allegations, but now the legal action that it looks like Fitzgerald and his attorney are going to take against Northwestern. And I feel like this is a story you and I are going to be covering here or having to reference and, and talk about each show uh, in, in the next, you know, couple weeks and month and really into the college football season. Yeah. And, and there, and my last point is there were some people trying to make his re recent record uh, into the reason he was let go. They are four and 20 in the last two seasons, since they had that uh, seven and two record in 2020 scared Ohio state in the big 10 title game. But uh, I, I can't no, Fitzgerald was going to be the lifetime head coach for the Wildcats and until this whole thing came to be. All right. Well, that's us ending it, the show on, on a very uh, heavy note. Uh, let's end it lightly. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, be sure to follow us on all of our platforms here. Big time sports, Ohio.com big time sports, Ohio on Facebook and Instagram, BTS, Ohio on Twitter, uh, Mitch Spinell, Mitchell Ballard everywhere. Mitch, what's the fact of the day? Mitch didn't have a fact of the day. Cause I wanted to, to bring something to our viewers and, you know, listeners attention. Hmm. Everybody was obsessed with that Wordle game when it came out and there's been different variations of it and, and, you know, other things. There is a thing called the Immaculate Grid now. It's ImmaculateGrid.com where every day you get a grid 
of nine squares. And I'm showing the camera right here. It has become a serious addiction of mine where you have to match players that played for both teams in the boxes or for instance, they had a 100 RBI plus season for a certain team or one rookie of the year. It has become an addiction. I absolutely love it. And let me tell you, if you like baseball, you need to try it, especially if you are a fan of the Cleveland Indians slash Guardians, because Mitch, if you have deep knowledge of some of the guys we had as rentals or guys we had that got rid of that went on to have good careers or flamed out after we got rid of them, you're going to be really good at this game. Because today I had two, three former Cleveland Indians that are guests less than 1% of the time on today's grid. Matt Albers at 0.5%, Abraham Almonte at 0.05%, and Casey Kochman at 0.1%. You want to try to get a low rarity score? Today's was 54. My personal best is 46 since I've done this in the past three weeks. Check out immaculategrid.com. By baseball reference, it's a lot of fun. Gosh, I, I actually have never not played this game prior to my first one, which I have here right now. Uh, I'm trying to get this all in check here. I have one guess for Luis Gonzalez. Yep, I got the one. Luis Gonzalez was Arizona Diamondback who had, had over 100 RBIs. Um, what was this percent? So, uh, four, oh, 40%. So it's not necessarily one answer, but it's just like one that applies. Right. There could be multiple. Ah, that's, that's better for me. So yeah. you need to try to guess for a guy that most people wouldn't guess. Some are tougher. Um, the other day there was a Cy Young winner who also had over 3,000 career strikeouts. Oh. I took CC Sabathia. He was guessed 2% of the time. So I'm guessing the lower percentage makes it more of an impressive guess. Is that what the trick is? Because I just – because one was Arizona Diamondbacks, if you can see here, Arizona Diamondbacks and, and Chicago White Sox. And I remembered the name Edwin Jackson, who the guy who threw the 144-pitch no-hitter back in 2000. <laughs> 11 i believe yeah that was that's i like this i might start playing this every day now so i thank you mitch for getting me addicted to a new game and we thank you all for listening or watching to the big time sports podcast show